0: Sip and Listen, the podcast meant to inspire, challenge, and empower collaboration while taking actions that matter, with your host, beauty maker, Christina Wertz, recruiting genius, Jennifer Rojas, and lover of all things marketing, Elisa Lane.
1: Let's face facts. Your business is either growing or dying. LimeWare Promotions wants to help your business grow. The strategy is not only to get seen, but remembered. And that's where Limeware comes in. We're here to help you come up with some fun and catchy promotional ideas so you get seen and remembered. At Limeware, we are ready to take on all your promotional needs from custom embroidery hats and screen print shirts all the way to business cards and pens. Limeware Promotions. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and let the growing begin.
0: Hey, hey, Lisa. What's up, Christina? Not much. It's interesting being here in the afternoon. I usually say good morning, but it's like eleven o'clock now. It's still morning. Is it? Yeah. Eleven o'clock to me is like afternoon for sure. Really? Yeah. So I'm loving your sip and listen shirt. I'm
2: sporting the new look.
0: Yeah. Thanks to Limewear. And you gave me an amazing tank top.
2: All right. I'm never gonna take my shirt off.
0: You That's, mentioned that yeah. last week.
2: I've worn it every day since I got it. Stop. I'm not kidding. The
0: same shirt? No. Nope.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs>
0: that's what i thought i have several (laughs) so are they comfy are they good fabric what are they i love them yeah yeah awesome
2: yeah yeah i wore them to a party i wore them to yoga i did kundalini for the first time
0: Uh uh-huh how was that
2: i like saying it kundalini (laughs) it was actually really good i'm sore Uh uh-huh yeah it works like your core it's like serious i see it was kind of fun doing it and then Mm -hmm. i woke up i'm like whoa (laughs) yeah so i'm probably not gonna laugh because it hurts
0: oh yeah Okay, that kind of thing. Uh Has anyone approached you and been like, what is Sip and Listen Podcast? I get looks. Yeah?
2: Mm -hmm. But no one started the conversation yet.
0: Well, they probably immediately turn to their phone and they're like, I gotta type this in. What is this? I would. She's passionate about it. (laughs) She won't take it off. Ah,
2: branding. I love it. Kind of the subject for today.
0: Yeah, so we have a special guest with us, Seth Wells. And Seth is owner of Palette Collective, which is actually the space where I have my salon. And he actually interviewed me about a week ago. And I'm like, you got to come on our podcast. So welcome.
3: Thank you. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you actually landed and got started with Palette Collective. And and what is it? What's the basis for it?
3: Yeah. So it it was a little bit of a a roundabout journey uh, getting actually to the, the point of opening and having Palette. But it's, it started off by getting involved in the commercial real estate world and kind of seeing different business ideas and, and different things that I, I wanted to pursue and get involved in. Um, and then also seeing a model inside the beauty salon studio world that I, I felt like was, it was a great idea, it was a great concept, but it just seemed like a lot of the examples that were out there were kind of missing the mark a mm. little bit of what could be. Um, and wanting really badly to be a commercial real estate owner but not having the dough that you need in order to be able to pull down these huge buildings Mm -hmm. it was kind of like an interesting way for me to get involved in that world without um, without having that kind of capital yeah so but one of the
2: how did it happen because I have a huge interest in it
3: in how Like like the whole
2: real estate part and like having spaces it's almost like the co-working space for the beauty industry is what I kind of see it as right now.
3: Totally. And for, for me, it was, how it got started for me was a little bit interesting because the concept's been around for a long time. Like we were far from inventing it. But what, what was crazy is the stories that I was hearing from people's experiences in the studio worlds is that they were, they were working out of these spaces that were basically theirs. It was their business, but it was an environment that really didn't cultivate them being their own and having their own space they were so sort of pigeonholed by the environment around them that they weren't able to come in and create a space that would really communicate to the people around them of who they were and what their brand
2: was
0: so a lot of limitations
3: a lot of limitations um
0: so when you say that you mean that by like the design of the room like what they were and weren't allowed to do or do you mean something else
3: yeah, even starting from the space itself, like the common areas and the design mm-hmm. of the space, so you've got these people that probably came from the beauty industry that felt like they needed to create an atmosphere that, that was what they defined a salon to be.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so the common areas was, you know, had waterfalls or had a certain look or feel or style to it mm-hmm. that was based on their perception of what a salon should be. Yeah. And then you had all these little businesses inside, which was where the actual business was taking place that had these built out spaces that were really limited on what they could do from a style standpoint.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so we wanted to sort of flip that on its head and say, hey, what if we made the common areas be like this unbranded brand to where we took a backseat and let the studios be the feature and let the individuals in the space be the brand, be their own brand. And so we we had this mission to try to create an environment that was aesthetically pleasing, but was almost unbranded in a way. Mm. So, so it's
2: funny because I've got to see the Scottsdale one, which I think is great. And also the Chandler one. Hmm. Um, and what I get from both of them is just welcoming. Hmm. And now that you have Maverick ca- coffee, yeah. which I'm a huge fan. I love their tea, by the way. It's so good. Yeah, And um, it's just like this atmosphere of just ease and welcoming. And I love
0: that.
3: That's great. That's what we were hoping for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you should
0: visit the other locations too. <laughs> I took a drive down to the Gilbert and Tempe locations. That Tempe location is the bomb.
3: It's really cool.
0: They have like that grass. I don't, e- like, I don't even know. It's not tile on the counter. It's just like a fake grass. Like and real? Like, no, like not grass. You know what I mean? Greenery.
3: Yeah. <laughs> they call it boxwood. Okay. I don't know I don't, I don't. know if that's like the name of the actual <laughs> plant or whatnot, but. Got it. Yeah. It lets you like put greenery on like a vertical oh. surface, which is kind of cool.
0: It's beautiful. I took a picture of it. I'll have to show you. Oh, share it. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. fun.
3: Coffee was where we finally got to have a little bit of fun with design. Yeah. The rest of our designs are a little bit more clean and simple, mm-hmm. but with purpose. Mm-hmm. There's purpose behind it. So.
2: so, how many locations do you have now?
3: So, we have four uh, locations that are open and we're working on a fifth in Queen Creek and another one in like the North Gilbert area. So, so
2: how is the funding working on this? Like I'm always looking at the other side of this and yeah. your eyes just got big. <laughs> so this is going to be great.
3: <laughs> funding is like the crazy part. Like it's the part that's been the most challenging and the most uh, stretching for, for me and my business partner. Cause we self-funded the whole thing in the beginning and kind of took it as far as we could. And at that point, when we kind of started reaching some of our limits, you know, we always had big dreams and big goals for where we wanted to take the brand. And uh, we, we knew pretty quickly we were going to need support. So we, we actually linked up with a group here called Clear Sky Capital, who is a, they're like a private equity group that does a lot of apartment complex and um, they actually own like a ton of, you know, those like $3 car washes that you see popping up everywhere. They're like one of the bigger names in the car wash scene. Mm. So you can see the connection, right? It's so all studios, car <laughs> exactly.
0: washes. <They> yeah, <laughs> perfect match. <laughs> Come in dirty, leave clean. Yeah. Looking pretty after you yeah. leave.
3: Yeah, I get it, <laughs> totally. Um, so a good group of guys and we, we like spent a lot of time with them just getting to know them. And so a lot of, a lot of that blend has been us figuring out how to operate on a way that sets us up for future growth, um, which has been a very intensive process for us on the back end, trying to figure out how to create all the systems and and different protocols in order to be able to function on a high level um, while we're still really small. So it's kind of an, it's a little bit of a weird dynamic.
2: Well, I wouldn't call you guys small. I mean, there's definitely like, a few locations. Yeah. But it's funny how you're considering it <laughs> small. Seth and seems some people to be are modest. Like, are you serious? Well, like that's pretty huge. And how many people actually are inside of each location? Because I think that number is also very impressive.
3: It, yeah, it varies a little bit. So we have a couple that are around the 20, 25, 29 range. So Scottsdale's 29, Gilbert's 25. And then the other ones are 60 and 46, 48.
0: Significant. Like that. So. I'd say. <laughs> but it's small. Yeah, it's just a small operation, mom and pop, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> does your wife does your wife uh, get involved at all on the business side?
3: Not not yet. Oh I gosh. Mean, yeah. There have been we, we keep like playing around with the idea of getting her more involved. Um, but for the most part, like I I really like to be able to keep family and work separated. And so I was always a little bit nervous about the idea of having her have too much of a role because if there's moments where I want to be able to check out or we go on vacation or any of that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, but she has a job to do and I have a job to do. So now we're covering both to be able to take off for a little bit or Mm. or have a break. So I was always like trying to protect that as much as I could.
0: How long have you been married for? 13
3: years. 13 years. 13 years.
0: That's amazing. Going
3: on 14.
0: You know, I was talking to someone I think yesterday or two days ago. I forget who it was. It was someone at Palette, but we were. You came up in conversation, and they were like, "Seth loves his wife so <laughs> much." Uh,
4: and let it I was be known. Like, I was like,
0: "Really?" <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, he just loves her so much." Oh, I know who it was. It was one of the girls in my building. She's like, "I wish my husband loved me like that."
4: Oh gosh. And I'm like, "Yeah,
0: isn't that what we want?" <laughs> You can laugh uh, into the mic, Alisa. You don't yeah, have to laugh can, away. Because that's
2: just too sad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, like, so after 13 years being married, I mean, how does that be sustained? Like, how do you sustain that other than keeping it separate? Work in, well, I don't know. He's actually personal. thinking of
2: blending it now. So that's going to be interesting, too. Well,
3: yeah. But what, we, what has
2: been working? Maybe that's the crux. I think for
3: us, one of the things that has been the most significant is we've really been able to figure out in a meaningful way how to put the other person first. Mm. So when you, can, when you can, without limitations, learn how to put the other person in your relationship ahead of yourself, truly, like there's this element where you have to really be honest with yourself in order to say like, am I doing this right now to put that person first, or am I doing it in order to create a list, a tally, where they're going to have to own up to like all the cool things I've done for them. Mm. <laughs> you know what uh-huh. I mean? Where it's like, if you can genuinely do that for that person and not care about anything in return, mm-hmm. it's freeing because then it doesn't matter what they do to you back. Mm-hmm. And we we mutually are doing the same thing to each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it creates so much freedom in our relationship, but it also like we're constantly wanting to do things for each other.
4: Yeah.
2: He reminds me of Gary on the show. Do you remember when Gary was on the show? Gary Fenn? Yeah, it was the oh, wholesale yeah, versus yeah. retail. Yeah, And he was talking about his wife. Very similar. Yeah, where he was. he had, it was almost like an agreement to if she called and said, I need you now, he would just, that's it. Yeah. It was that kind of an agreement. But mm-hmm. it was so wonderful because he loves his wife, kind of similar. Yeah. And the way... <laughs> It was you got to listen to that show because mm-hmm. it was kind of the same. You guys might need to meet because I think for double sure. dating might be. Yeah, a good thing. he
0: didn't even have. We were asked We were talking about celebrity crushes on that episode, and yeah. we're like, "So who's yours?" And he's like, "My wife." It, it's literally like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, his wife is his, his crush. Hmm. I'm like, for real?
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, it, it's an awesome thing when like for I always use the example because there was one time I like randomly did the dishes. Not that I don't <laughs> normally do the dishes, but it's there like the level of expectation of each other. And this like, when, when you have to do something as simple as doing the dishes, because you know you have to, and it's like, if I don't, I'm gonna be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Versus like, there, there was a moment, and I forget exactly the circumstances, but I did the dishes one time, and my wife came in and just started crying. Cause she was like, it was exactly what she needed in that moment. And I wasn't that. I was just doing the dishes, you know? <laughs> so I can do the dishes and blow her mind, Without it being like, <laughs> finally, you did the dishes. Jeez, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I well, it's,
2: it's also a level of appreciation that's showing up for her. Totally. Which I, I'm sure it hits you like, wow, that's really amazing that you appreciate me. Right. Because that's huge. Yeah. And who knows what her day was like. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've had moments where doing the dishes would make me cry. It right. would be like, you know, thank you so much for being there. Right. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool.
0: What I'm getting is it really takes two. It's not like you can just invest you know, and put that person first and that have that person not have the same context for the relationship.
4: Yeah, a you lot know, of it is really that. really
0: can be both people. And when it is both people, it's freeing, like you said.
3: Yeah, the mutual aspect of it makes it a million times easier. But if you can do it with honesty and genuineness, even to yourself, to that person, you're freed from anything they, they do or don't do mm-hmm. in return in theory. Yeah, so that's probably harder to sustain, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> so... So what was your background before you did Palette Collective?
3: So before Palette, I was flipping houses. So it was like a, a both and I was doing commercial real estate and I was flipping houses, which is where I met my business partner. So he's kind of known as the house finder guru in the Arcadia, Phoenix area. Mm. And so we, we'd been flipping houses for about five years. And again, saw like for me, that was a creative outlet to be able to go into a house that, that looked really bad that was old and, and kind of dilapidated and tear it down and, and start new and get to design a space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved it. It was awesome. Um, but seeing what was happening in the commercial real estate world, I kind of wanted to get into the game of revitalizing and be a part of the commercial um, comeback because commercials tends to follow residential a little bit. Mm-hmm. So as residential started to recover, we were having harder and harder times finding the deals and and doing the deals that we wanted to do. So we wanted to kind of jump ship and, and get a part of the commercial recovery as
2: well. Mm -hmm. It's interesting when you say that, because I went to PB mall Mm -hmm. recently and I don't know if you've been there, but it was like a ghost town and I don't know what is,
3: I mean, what's coming
2: up, but it's definitely,
3: it's all the big box stuff, right? Like so many things are happening for big business and, They're the ones that are getting hit with the the internet the hardest, right? Like Amazon isn't necessarily affecting as many of the little guys as as they're affecting the big guys. Like they're just taking down Sports Chalet, like all these bigger box brands that are starting to fall apart. And uh, they're just having a hard time keeping up, I think, with the internet sales.
2: Well, and I think the industry you're in, I mean, that's not something that can go away. It's no way am I going to cut my own hair. (laughs) Totally. <laughs> There's just no way.
0: Totally. No. <laughs> we are Amazon proof. Yes. <laughs> and we're also outsource proof. Right. And outsource us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
3: Yeah. It was one of the things that kind of drew us to the, the hair industry in a lot of ways was that th- it felt a little recession proof in a lot of ways. Like Some of the salon studio world had this boom during the recession because so many people wanted to be on their own, wanted to be self-sufficient and have their own business and for hairstylists, hairstylist, like opening their own salon was kind of a, a no-brainer in that moment where you had these salon owners that were starting to shut down. And in some ways it was their only option. They had to like step up and, and make it work. Mm-hmm. So.
2: so how do you find new hairdressers or is it something that they're coming to you? Is it like, how's your marketing around it?
3: So we do a lot of digital marketing, um, a lot of stuff on social media and, and Google. And, and we have a, a marketing group that's here in the Valley. Um, they're called Sandoval Design. They're a design and marketing agency that we work with. And um, they do a great job of developing a strategy and we kind of are constantly shifting and changing. And one of the biggest challenges for us is that we we originally set out to to take what the salon studio world had, had given to hairstylists and, and people in the beauty industry. And we wanted to try to see if we can Enter into more industries than just beauty. So part of the reason why our brand doesn't talk too much about salon or hair or things like that is because we wanted to open up this door to miniaturized commercial real estate for anybody. And um, that What are been, some
2: examples of that?
3: So like we have a chiropractor in our space. We have a lot of tattoo artists. Um, and so some of our competition will see some of those kinds of people in their space, but not nearly as many, if that makes sense. Um, But also like at our Chandler location, we created like this marketplace in the middle where coffee and we've got a decadent macaroon that makes amazing macaroons and Mm -hmm. a lady that sells CBD oils and a bridal boutique. And so and there's another lady that does this clothing consignment store. And so we're seeing more and more people in different sort of retail spaces Uh, be able to have success inside of Palette, which is exciting. So
0: So what do you think is the significance of having that kind of community there?
3: I think one of the things that's been more and more apparent to me is how important community is in general for Mm -hmm. people in business. Um, I feel like a lot of times it's really easy to feel a little bit of a silo, like you're in this... uh, like, you're all alone in a weird way. Like, I feel like entrepreneurs talk about it a lot, feeling a little lonely. And I can't help but feel like some of it's because of social media. Like, there's, it's so easy to compare, right? Like, mm-hmm. I look around at people that are doing awesome things, and I just go, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm so far from where they, they've gotten. Like, their success versus my success is, like, drastically different.
0: That's why he thinks he's a small... Yeah, I'm a small company.
3: <laughs> we are because our competition has got like 300 locations, you know, and like that's all you think about. You like do this comparison game. If it all the works time. for you,
4: go, keep, <laughs> keep looking at that.
3: But I think a lot of times it's nice to be able to have people around you that are learning things that you're not learning or experiencing things you're not experiencing and be able to share with that. I think you'll, like, you can't help but find more rapid growth because of the people around you and the community you develop. Mm. Um, I, have you guys ever read the book, um, Delivering Happiness? No. No. Oh my gosh, it's so, so good. I like, <laughs> highly recommend it. Uh, the author is Tony Shea. Mm-hmm. he's the, the founder of uh, Zappos. Ah,
4: mm-hmm. yes,
3: and, I've heard of the project. Okay.
2: The Happiness Project.
4: Uh,
3: yes, that right, that, that's really kind of I think what put them on, on the market, on the map in a lot of ways but he he makes this comment and i can't remember it exactly so it's totally paraphrased but the idea was that like really your your success isn't really as marked by how well your company's doing it's more defined by the relationships you're developing and i thought that was interesting cuz like part of his point was this idea that that your relationships are going to get you further in business than your actual business and yet we spend so much time like, consumed by the grind of our business Yeah. when a lot of times we don't make time to like get out, meet people, and do that networking and, and develop those relationships, like real relationships with people, when those are the people that are going to potentially take you to the next level.
2: It's so funny. That it was kind of a thought that showed up this month or the month prior, but it was something that my schedule was getting so full that I created a happy hour. Hmm. And then Christine and I were talking about doing like a, like a coffee hour where we can have time for the people that want to meet with us. Not so much that they want to do business with us, but it's just staying in the industry because it's so important as entrepreneurs to stay within a community. Um, And we've also reached out to, I know Rob who's from city fam who's actually created, and we had a conversation about how important that community is. And he's created like a social movement around this where Mm -hmm. people are coming together for the purpose of staying together and with all, common interest Mm. and it's one of those things that we forget that really propels us to actually keep moving forward Totally, and i love the fact that you're creating this atmosphere so that people can actually you know share ideas be supported because that's really what we want them in
3: totally it's it's been fun to see because honestly it was like one of those things i think we always hoped for but never really knew um whether it was going to actually happen or not
2: um and you have happy hours
3: no, not yet. See, and like, there's always room for improvement, right? Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Is, like, I feel like we're far from. We were looking for a coffee
4: time, so maybe to it's gonna be out. showing up at your place.
3: Yeah, that would be awesome. There and we it, go. It's like one of the beautiful things of coffee, right? Like yeah. coffee helps cultivate community, and it's exciting for us to be more involved in it because there's been separation up until now. Because we always wanted coffee to be this secondary brand that was kind of part of the space. So it's like you know, you had all these businesses inside of it and it's like coffee was one of those other businesses. Mm-hmm. So to be able to kind of jump in with the help of Maverick to make it pallet coffee, where now we get to be more in charge of that and I think we'll be able to use it hopefully as a platform to develop more community.
4: That's a great idea.
0: I, as a tenant, I mean, I just love the community aspect because it's personally helped me in my business. I know I mentioned this on our interview, but um, I reached out to one of the girls in... My building and I just asked her like hey girl what do you do for marketing like I see you're always busy like what where do you get most of your clients and she goes Instagram and I'm like what like Instagram I've never gotten a single client off of Instagram so I just it just opened my mind to like okay well maybe I'm not doing something as effective as I could on Instagram and that's an untapped potential for me And I would have never gotten that had I not had this community of you know 20-some hairstylists who have their own businesses and do things differently. Totally. And then the whole coffee shop aspect, I was out there talking to some girl who owns her business, talking about tape and extensions. And she's like, oh, yeah, I use this adhesive. It works wonders. She's like, borrow it the next time you have a client. I'll just give it to you. You can see how it works. And I'm like, that's the power of community. Totally. Because you just get to level up and level up together right whereas going in i was nervous i was like is this gonna be competition is it gonna be caddy whatever it's the complete opposite
2: yeah as you talk about level up we're actually gonna take a quick break let's and level up (laughs) next
0: level
1: Hello, thanks for calling Next Level, where we invest in people and fund their dreams. We help you with personal and business loans, credit enhancement, investments, insurance, and so much more, so you don't have to keep chasing your financial tail all the time. Um, hey Susan, your number came up and I think it's your cat and dog again.
0: Tell them to stop calling and go online to nlbcgroup.com. That's nlbcgroup.com. And why is it so warm in here?
1: That's Next Level Business Concepts Group, Susanna, where we invest in people and fund their dreams. Oh, my. Are you selling or buying a home that needs upgrading or repairs? Get free contracting services when you buy or sell a home with Matthew McEvick Real Estate Solutions put expertise to work for you. is a licensed general contractor and a licensed real estate agent with Lux Real Estate Group. Drop the hassles and maximize your value with this unique two-for-one service. Call 520-465-4640 today or check out sold.com. That's fixitlistedsold.com. Hey. Hey. I'm
2: thinking about flipping homes now.
0: Are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we gotta talk to Matt Makovic then. I know. He can give you all the ins and outs being a real estate and contracting dude. <laughs> I was actually able to have lunch with him the other day after we had our episode. And it was cool just getting more into his world and more about his business because it's a little tricky to understand. So he combines his real estate license and general contracting license. And when you hire him on as a realtor, he provides free general contracting services, nice. which can save thousands. You know what yeah, I mean. So it was interesting in seeing how he balances, you know, a, an adventurous traveling life with his business. Yeah. So are you still
2: flipping homes?
3: No, right now uh, pallet is pretty much the all-consuming deal right now for us. So um, we still we still are involved, and my business partner is kind of an outlet for that for me, where he's. He's a little bit more involved in real estate than I am. And so he kind of plugs me into things here and there, but, um, but not active, not like I used to be. Mm. So.
0: so I'm looking at your timeline. So you opened the first space in Palette in 2015. Mm-hmm. So it's been three and a half, four years, almost five locations, yep. small business. Um, <laughs> and then you did four or five years flipping. And then before that, you said you were a worship leader. Yep. At a church? Yep. And you moved to Arizona to do that?
3: Yeah, that's what originally brought me to Arizona. Really? Yeah. Tell me more. So um, I, I grew up in San Diego and loved San Diego. Still do miss it like crazy. Um, but it, it was a really great opportunity to come out here and do that. It was, it's what I went to school for, or at least partially went to school for. And... Um, and so that, that was my full-time job. I got to play music all the time and it was fun. And it's given me the ability to travel. I did a lot of traveling doing music, which is fun. Um, and it was, it was a little bit of a, a random jump going from music to real estate. Mm. Uh, and it, it just sort of happened kind of on, a, on its own. It, it was weird when I, when I was kind of wrapping up my job at the church that I worked for, um, there wasn't a lot of opportunities popping out at me at the time. And I just, I felt like I needed to make a change and needed a, needed a shift. And, um, I just, I had friends in the industry that were willing to like walk, walk me through it and show me the ropes and give me all the connections that I needed. And so my wife and I were like, let's just go for it. And so we, we did and it. it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was crazy. Cause I had worship opportunities after that too. And it was like weird timing. I was like, where were you guys like six months ago? <laughs> Um, of course. but I've been able to be involved in music still to this day. I, I still play and, and do a lot of, um, a lot of things on the side, which mm-hmm. is fun for me. So
2: it's funny you seem so well-rounded. Like there's just <laughs> so many parts about you that I'm just like, and he does this and he does this <laughs> and like family, man, there's the, the other side of you. Like what, what's next for you? I got the, the timeline in the past, but like, what's the next thing that, you know, really calls you in?
3: Yeah. I've always been intrigued by this whole new reality of the personal brand and like being able to develop your personal brand. And it, it's kind of the next level of self-sufficiency in a way, you know, where it's like entrepreneurs are self-starters and they're starting their own business, which is great. Um, but I, I'm, my goal, like my next goal I think is to try to utilize what, what we've been able to do and accomplish with palette to hopefully establish kind of a new, a new path for me in the world of just being involved in business, being able to help uh, potentially consult with businesses and and help businesses get off the ground or get to the next level in the things that we're learning um, through developing teams and, um, you know, even potentially, like, how we've been able to get financing to, to grow a business and what that looks like and the relationships we're building in those worlds, like, it would be fun for me to be able to do that and I've already kind of started the process of investing into a couple of local businesses and and being a part of that side of it and being an investor and kind of being that advisor from a distance and watching really talented people do really cool stuff. Mm. So I'm I'm dabbling. I'm I'm at the the ground level trying to build up with that that whole concept.
2: It's funny your perception of small and ground level, <laughs> <laughs> not. Not really.
0: He needs a reality check.
2: It feels, and and I love that that's where he's at, (laughs) thinking that way. But you're definitely at a new level, completely. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you. So I acknowledge that. (laughs) So you did say something about developing teams. Yeah. That's that's kind of like a world that I kind of used to play in, where like communication was a big thing, and we used to like really come from developing teams and moving things forward. But Mm. what's that for you?
3: I feel like so many of the driving factors for me in life has been things that I have been involved in that, for, with it sounds not sounding too bad, just not done well. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a lot of things where you can look at somebody that's doing something awesome and you can learn from it. There's also experiences in life where you've you've seen and witnessed or been involved in like maybe the wrong way of doing it, and you like for me I've always wanted to see that come back full circle and help create change in those environments. I feel like recently, as we continue to grow and our, our staff grows, I've been really intrigued by this idea of leadership and team development. And I've, I've been trying as much as I can to just absorb knowledge from people through books on how to grow a team and how to develop a team. And there's been some things that have popped up along the way that I feel like are kind of eye-opening in, in how to work with people and um, cultivate success and passion in people without being a, a stereotypical boss, you know? And again, baby steps. Like I'm in the beginning stages of that because <laughs> our team is small, but uh, it's been fun to try to, to, to grow in that and to learn as much as I can.
0: What are some of the things that you said like popped up that were eye-opening for you?
3: So one of the major ones came from another book, and um, it was the the title is is kind of interesting. It's a little backwards because it's uh, I think it's four signs. It's either three, four, or five. I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. <laughs> but it's signs of a miserable job, which is it's weird. It's like the negative side of it that makes almost the title sound a little uninviting. Uh-huh. Um, but the whole book is talking about like this it's like a, it's almost like a parable. It's a fictional story that feels very real. It's about a guy that like had super huge success developing this amazing culture and then sold the company to a group that cared nothing about culture and it kind of like died. And then he goes to this little part of South Tahoe and finds this restaurant that's just scraping by and comes in, becomes an owner and helps sort of like build this amazing culture inside this little pizza pizza shop. And it's based around these principles of what people are looking for within a team. And it talks about like anonymity that people need to at least know that they're seen and heard. And you have to genuinely care about your people where there's this normal perception in leadership. That's like, I need to separate myself from my team as a leader. Like I'm the boss. I can't be, I can't have a relationship with you. I can't, you know, and and this idea that like that's almost like old thinking, where it's in reality like people need to feel heard. They need to feel like they're cared about and at least acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the idea of like developing purposes for people and explaining to them like, hey, this is what this is who and how your job impacts other people's lives. And when they can see that purpose, you can define the goals for them and how they can really target themselves and the purpose behind that target. So now they're not just coming to work and checking off a box every day. They're seeing things through a different lens where they're like, oh, these are the things in, in my daily job that actually affect other people. Mm-hmm. And they can start focusing on those things and, and feeling sort of the, the joy or the fulfillment from that focus and that perception. Mm-hmm. And it's little things like that, whereas leaders, like we should be cultivating that, you know and and helping people see that, so instead of people just being frustrated or complaining about their job, it's it, you lead people into this idea of like your job, whatever it is, is affecting people mm-hmm. and you should find fulfillment and joy in that, you know
0: Wow, yeah, that was beautifully put <laughs> and it actually like. Every single word that you just said was the embodiment of where I worked for nine and a half years back in Mm. Pennsylvania. Nice. Like he was that type of leader. And it was so important. I mean, we had monthly coaching sessions with him and it wasn't like, hey, you're not reaching your numbers, reach your numbers. It was like, hey, what's going on in life? Right. What are you struggling with? How can I support you? And he never separated himself. And he was never like, anytime we referred to him as like the boss, He's like, I'm not the boss. I'm, I'm your leader yeah. or your mentor or yeah. whatever, coach, whatever. And you, you had to call way it. more
3: success in that environment too. Way right?
0: more, yeah. Because I had like a why behind it too. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw my purpose and I saw that someone was actually on my side to help me along the way. Mm. And it was just, yeah, the culture. We talked about culture all the time in our staff meetings and all That's that cool. stuff. And it was really like of teamwork too. So if we're sitting in the back room without a client, You know, what can you actually do out on the floor for someone else's client just out of service, whether it's offering them, hey, would you like your daughter's hair braided while you wait? Would you like, can I get you a cup of coffee? Like really just going above and beyond. And that's what creates an amazing culture.
3: And a lot of times it's simple stuff, right? It's just stuff that we don't think about because of a lens or a filter that we're seeing things through that just needs a, a little shift. And it. It opens up opportunities for really simple, Mm. simple
2: changes. Well, it kind of goes back to doing the dishes, like Mm -hmm. things that you would just do, but the world that it creates for your wife is just amazing. Totally. Kind of fun to be in this world. Mm -hmm. It kind of, it reminds me of, there's like a little saying on Facebook or Instagram if you look for it, but it's, um, what if I develop my employees and they leave? and they create their own business. Uh-huh. And then there's the other side of that is, what if you don't and they stay? <laughs> yeah. So it's really, you know, what are you creating around you? Right. And how are you making a difference? Right. right.
3: And if you genuinely care about your people, and the next step for them is to go start their own thing, wouldn't it be better to know about that and be part of it and help champion that? Mm-hmm. And then be able to prepare for it and on your line, on your side? You and know? then do
2: it for others. Yeah. like there's that other side it's like this is unlimited what you can create for people
3: it's a way better approach yeah. so instead of your people hiding it in fear you can help them champion them and plan for it
2: mm-hmm. I like it so do you have children?
3: I do How I many? have two
2: two and ages?
3: I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old
2: so are they mini entrepreneurs yet?
3: no <laughs> There have been moments, like little glimmers of hope. My son started like a, a dog poop picking up business where <laughs> right. he ran around the neighborhood. What nope, the name of it? It, it was, uh, it was like, poop eliminators, or I forget what. it was Oh my called, gosh, it's
0: so yeah. funny.
3: Poop attackers, I think is
0: what it was. Oh, that's
2: even better. Yeah. And how so. did that go?
3: It actually went really well. I was like, I was trying to get him to take it to the next level and bring his buddies in as employees and stuff, and he was just like dad, I just want to do this for the summer. Like we got to the end of the street and he picked up like half the houses. And I was like, let's go around the corner. Like, let's keep going. And he's like, no, this is good. (laughs) I got like five houses. I'm solid. I was bummed. Wow. So
2: You were seeing dreams of like, he's going to take the mortgage. Yeah, I know, right? Maybe he's going to flip a home next. Yeah,
3: I'd be his first employee. That's so great. Yeah.
0: Hey, baby steps.
3: I know, I know. Small business. And your other... Um, my daughter, they, they both have like major dreams for careers. Like she wants to be in aviation. She's like pretty dead set on it. And my son thinks he's going to the NFL. So I'm going to, I'm going to let him dream that as long as he can and help however we can. Um, but that's where they're, that's where they're headed. So
2: Mm -hmm. we'll see. And there's always the backup. Yeah. The poop industry. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there
3: find a need. What is it? See a need, fill a need, right? (laughs) It started with my house. I was like, I don't want to do that. Here's two bucks. (laughs) You do that.
2: (laughs) So she wants to go into aviation. What's like, what's the
3: Uh, inspiration there? A lot of the inspiration was family. So I actually studied aviation in college and was a pilot. Um, technically <laughs> adding
0: more was. to the dynamicness <laughs> of Seth
3: Wells. <laughs> yeah. Ka- again, random jump. I went from av- I actually, uh, graduated with like a double major in aviation and music, oh. which everybody was like, oh, you're going to sing on a plane. I thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Um, which it wasn't.
0: <laughs> it's funny to me.
3: <laughs> but, um, so I would, my goal was fighter pilot. I was going to fly F-18s in the military wow. and just totally changed and shift gears in, in college, but told her a lot of stories about that, about flying. And, um, my grandfather was, a um, he flew B 52s in world war two. And so we've gone to some museums and stuff and talked about my grandpa and, and different things like that. And so she's, she got hooked on it. She, hmm. she's like dead set. She wants to start. She like looked up the age of when you can start flying. And what is that? I think it's 14. Oh, wow which is kind of crazy. Has she
2: been in a plane? Has she like got behind the...
3: I mean, little, like- little ones that they'll let you do in museums and stuff, um, but never like at the fields, like the small planes yet. But I'm going to hopefully get active in the next couple years and take her up if I can, so.
0: That would be wild. Yeah, it'd be fun. Has she been on a regular plane anywhere?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Commercial planes and stuff. Got yeah, it. For sure.
2: So. Got it. And your yeah. wife, how is she playing into all this?
3: the like the career goals and all that she actually right now she works as a project manager for the same design group that that it's a little bit of a family affair so it's it's one of the businesses i've invested in and been a part of and uh they're good friends of mine and they're they're doing awesome so they they actually just landed like radio disney as a client they've been working with lionsgate for a while and so she gets to run around with them, and they just got a tour of Radio Disney like a week or so ago, so she's oh, having fun cool. doing project management stuff with those guys. Oh, that's so, good. good group of people.
2: So how are you going to get her involved in your side of the business? Like, I know you mentioned, like, that was something you were...
3: The, the, the goal is to not.
2: Oh, not. not? Okay, not at all.
3: There's just been so many moments where... So she's where kind of
2: involved on that side as far as the project managing with the marketing
3: side. A little bit, okay. a little bit. But she's like my inside scoop. I'm like, when is this getting done? <laughs> And she's like, I'll she talk to him about it. He must love that. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, I was like, put it on the top of the pile.
4: You know? <laughs> oh, so. That's great.
3: But yeah, the goal is to, to keep... It's, it's hard, though, because there's so many times where she would, she would be great. It would be great to have her involved and do things, and it, in some ways it would make sense. But I just feel like it, it, it would just be too hard to have...
2: The worlds would collide. It would.
3: It would. So... In some ways, it would make more sense to have her face beyond the whole thing because so many people are like, who are you? Like, how did you, you know, it's the same, like, so were you a hairstylist or, you know? <laughs> nope. So.
0: so what do you see as some of the, um, the biggest challenges that, like, new entrepreneurs face or young entrepreneurs face?
3: I think some of it has to do with that community, there's, like the community part of it is a big part. I think, um, I think right now there's this perception that entrepreneurship is quick, that it happens fast. And that there have been so many stories of people that have made it big in short periods of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's gonna be a little bit of a, of a curse on the idea or the concept of entrepreneurship. Because mm-hmm. so many people they'll go 6 months in and they'll just be like man I'm not a millionaire yet why isn't this happening mm. and uh it's like man you got to you got to stick it through a lot and uh for me like some of the biggest eye-opening moments has been um I got into this mode where I was reading books about like almost memoirs of people's stories and their journeys and one of the biggest ones was uh, Phil Knight's story with Nike And just the different things that they had to overcome. It was just like one thing after the next for like years. They went like 12, 13 years of just getting beat Mm. up. Um, And how they just kept sticking it out in times where it didn't even make sense. Like they should have just packed it up. Yeah. And now they're Nike. It's crazy. And I think there's that, that dynamic of some of the stuff that we talked about too where it's like, you have to take risks. Yeah. You know, you have to overcome some of the ideas of financial risk, um, time time spent, like putting in the hard work, doing some things yourself that you don't like doing, you don't want to do, and, um, and pushing yourself and challenging. And so I think there's that hurdle that entrepreneurs have to get over and, and see the reality of entrepreneurship that's hard. It's a lot of work.
2: What helped you get through the risk piece? Because I, I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Like you have to give money, to make money. Totally. And it's a challenge yeah. because you don't see the coming in mm-hmm. as much as you see the going out. Mm-hmm. I think it
3: was a step-by-step process for me. It was a little bit of a, a over time developing a little bit of, a, not a callous, but, you know, developing that risk tolerance. Um, and housing was a big part of it. You know, like when I got into house flipping, you could get a house for like 50 grand, which was crazy that a house could be sold for the price of what now the average car goes for, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was a little easier. The idea, the amount of risk was, was lower. And then by the end of it, we were dealing with million dollar homes. And so those purchase prices and those renovation costs, and it was, it was a lot, but it was over the course of five years, you know? So I feel like I developed a little bit of a risk tolerance there. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of it for me, because I'm, I'm very systematic, where if I sit down and I do a good enough job planning, so we spent probably a year and a half really diving into palette before we actually like pulled the trigger on it. So we did a lot of planning, a lot of development. We worked out the numbers and really processed through a lot of stuff. And we were still wrong on a lot of it. <laughs> we didn't do it perfectly, the numbers. But at the end of it, it's like it made sense. And we knew what we had to do. We knew what we needed in order to do it. And so there's a little bit of a calculation that goes into that. But at, the, at one point, like, you know, I remember the day I had to sign our, our first lease was 10 years. And it was like, you look at the <laughs> dollar amount at the end of that, it's, it's intimidating. So, like, that was... Did a, you do it? Yeah. But For that 10 was 10 years? Ten-year lease. Well, I would
2: have totally negotiated
4: that down. <laughs> no way.
3: <laughs> we wanted that. We actually. You did. Yeah. You wanted that number. We, we that was our goal was to do ten years wow. for our leases. So.
0: That's bold.
3: I know. It's kind of crazy. But that those are like those moments where it becomes really real. You're like, I'm signing this thing. Let's do it.
2: So. Do you think you'll take this out of state? Absolutely. Any yep. one
0: state you're looking at in particular? We've San Diego, probably.
2: Oh, man, I would love it.
0: San Diego's a town.
2: Oh, that's true. It's a state to me. <laughs> is
0: it? <laughs> it feels like it's. <laughs> oh, a state. Yeah. It I did feels see It feels like its uh, own catch. state. We were both on the same level right there,
2: okay? <laughs> we had a moment.
4: <laughs> uh,
3: California would be awesome. California is a, a little nerve wracking for us. Sounds like they have coyotes us. in the
2: background.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know, it does. Is that a. Uh, Fire trucks. Uh, but uh,
3: we're looking at Las Vegas. Like the Nevada, Las Vegas area, and then Texas is one that we're looking at. Um, but, yeah, the goal is to kind of go as, as big as we can. And so we we're, our initial goal right now is to do 60 locations. So that has to get spread out.
2: Do you have a time limit as to when that's going to happen?
3: We would like to do it in five years. Um, but we'll see. Time, the time is the hardest part because even just – creating this plan and, and having it be real and legitimate has taken two years. Yeah. So, you know, we would have said five years, two years ago. So we just keep pushing back the start. Well, time.
2: and life happens in between all that. Totally. So it's, it's really just managing it and realizing sometimes you just gotta be flexible. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like the preparation, you know, is key. And then you have to be open to it not going that way.
4: Totally. <laughs>
0: but in your goal, 60 locations in five years teams are 100 percent important Mm -hmm. you and your business partner alone can't do it right i mean maybe you could but you would never have any balance of being a father and a husband and wakeboarding or whatever else you said you do (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so yeah the teams
3: teams are a big part having that plan creating like the systems and the processes which is all the stuff we've been working on um which it's funny because the reverse perception is like when something happens at maybe one location, that's like, maybe it it feels like an easy problem. We can't ever, I can't ever get it out of my head. that like I was like, oh shoot, I got to know how to solve this when it happens in Nashville, you know, 1,500 miles away and I'm not there, I can't just do it myself. And so I I always overcomplicate everything because (laughs) I'm thinking long-term, you know?
2: Well, it takes a lot of trust in other people too. Like you have to really... Project that they're gonna take care of whatever that situation's gonna be.
3: Totally,
0: yeah. Trust is hard for you. Yeah, no. We've talked <laughs> about it.
2: <laughs> how I've so? Seen a long time to get in that chair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. How so, Elisa?
2: Um, I think as an entrepreneur, like I, I just grew up in a family that is, um, and we, we love doing things ourselves. Like it was the solopreneur type of thing, and then you start realizing how it's impossible to do things alone. So. But there is that perfectionist that also lives inside of me thinking I'm the only one that can have that.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So sharing, having trust, those are big things for me. Totally. I laugh because it's true.
0: Yeah, well, being on the receiving end of your trust, it's a privilege. I'm like, <laughs> why don't you laugh at uh, the mic? People need to hear you laugh.
2: <laughs> it's just funny to me that it took someone... To like, let me see that. Like you, you gave me the moments that actually I realized I am not trusting. And I saw it for myself and just even saying it to you, like, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> like it was a lot. It and it's, it's funny because then you start realizing there's a new, you know, level to it. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, like that was, that was then. And now it's like, oh, now I trust more and more and more. And, and it's when, he, you know, you bring more team and more people and, you know, knowing that they have your back. Right. And even when they don't, it's, you know, they didn't do it on purpose. There's
3: a risk factor too, right? Like, Always. Because like one of the, I'm just slinging out book titles out there, but um, one that had a huge impact for me for team development was uh, permission to screw up. Hmm. And it's this idea that like part of having a team and giving team responsibility, you also have to give them the freedom to make mistakes and figure out how to navigate those mistakes um, and there, it's just a weird thought, though, to what are the ramifications of, of the potential mistakes that your team might make. And
2: you remind me of another book, <laughs> I Hope I Screw This Up, mm. and that's a good one. So that talks about doing things that actually is going to really make you stretch yeah. and screw it up because you've never done it before. Totally. If you've never played this game, how do you expect yourself to be good at it? Right. So there's going to be some learning on it.
3: It's like letting the fear of failure win, right? Yes. Like. You're never going to get anywhere if you let the fear of failure dictate. And laugh at yourself a little. Yeah.
2: It's not that big a deal. Yeah. What's right.
0: that one um, video on YouTube, that one guy? He talks about like, um, okay, you lost your job? Good. You, you screwed up here? Good. Like, and it's just like no matter what happens to you, you could be the biggest F up on earth. Good. Like what are you learning from this? And how are you moving forward? And that video was just like fascinating to me.
2: <laughs> I may have to share that.
0: Yeah, I'll have to find it. I'm asking you guys what it is because I don't remember what it is, but. Never seen it. I think my ex knows it. I'll have to text him.
2: Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say it.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. I need to read these books. Permission to Screw Up.
3: Yeah, that's a good one. Really, really good one. Yeah,
0: I wrote it down.
4: Yeah.
0: I don't give many people permission to screw up because I'm like kind of a perfectionist like you too. Yeah. I expect perfection from people, but that doesn't go so well. Yeah. Especially not in intimate relationships. No.
3: (laughs) It's a hard thing to learn. Like you get to those points where the the interesting like idea as a perfectionist, when you try to do everything yourself because you're a perfectionist, and then you start to see yourself fail Mm. by trying to do too many things. And then that actually goes against your spirit of perfectionism, you know?
2: Well, I don't think your body, your body can even take it. Like no. eventually like that'll break down on it.
3: Yep. You can't do that many things well, you know, mm. you're going to, you're not meant to. Mm. So.
0: Yeah. And then people wonder why they're sick all the time. Cause they're trying to do too much. Yeah. <laughs>
2: too much.
0: Well, I guess we got to wrap it up here. Huh? What's the time on there? Yeah. All right. Do your thing. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for sharing yourself, Seth. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up?
3: I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. So Yeah, we did. Yeah. It was
0: awesome. You just have a wealth of knowledge and you just brought your whole personality to this. So I appreciate that.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was yeah, fun. Yeah,
0: you're welcome. Yeah, great All meeting right, you. All right, Elisa. Yeah. Thank thanks. you. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.